0: With your man, Jerome Span, And of course, you've got the one and only, the legendary.
1: Your boy, Mace. I'm ready. I'm back. Let's get it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome you back to this Inside the Cage experience. Notice ball. we are here to just give you some hot sports takes. And we are going to be starting the off with the conclusion of the Euro finals. That was an amazing, amazing final that we got, Mace. I mean, I know a lot of people are out here uh, bitching and moaning about the Fact that it ended in penalties, but at the end of the day, me and you both know penalties is one of the most exciting ways for a game to actually conclude in all sports. It is a high pressure situation. It's awesome to see. It was sad to see that England ended up losing the final in their home. But the worst part of it, of course, was the blowback that a lot of the black players for England got which then detracted from such an excellent performance that they had over the entire course of the tournament, which was very, very unfortunate that, again, racism peaked its ugly head out again in sports and showed you how people truly functioned again. But regardless of all of that, Mace, what were your overarching thoughts on the tournament? The tournament
1: itself, well, my, my pick was Portugal. I'll just start there. Um, I thought that they... Only got better as a team between winning the um their last Euro and up until now. I mean, you had uh, Bernardo Silva break out in the scene. Not Bernardo Silva, um Bruno Fernandez. Excuse me, but Bernardo mm-hmm. Silva has been fairly consistent over the last two years. But Bruno Fernandez, he um hopped onto the scene. Got got. I mean, he was real hot for Manchester United got them in second place in the Premier League, you know, so I thought they had enough attacking complements along with their defense getting better with um, uh, Jao Cancelo and um, Ruben Diaz because he Mm – I think he ended up being on the um, Premier League team of the year for for Man City. So I I just really felt like their team overall got better, so that was my pick – but um I have no complaints about the tournament itself, man. I mean, there's a lot of exciting things going on. I mean, Denmark's run after after um Christian Erickson's unfortunate, you know, health concerns, you know, man, their run was just that was the feel-good story for the tournament. So, I mean, you you got everything you wanted out of that tournament besides your team or your pick potentially winning. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have to eat my crow, too, because just like you, I picked it wrong. I thought that for sure France was going to take this moment to repeat and, and show that they were just like the other teams we had seen recently, like the uh, Spain team that, you know, did the double. I thought they were going to be able to do it, but unfortunately, they weren't. You know, France seemed to crumble under, uh, under the circumstances of a penalty, too. You know, it ended up eating them alive. I know a lot of people were very, very critical of Kylian Mbappe for missing that penalty. I'm not one to try and kill the guy. He's so young. But I will say this is why sport th- – that moments like that and what happened in that final with, with England are why we watch sports, though, because theoretically – and Mace, tell me if I'm wrong on this – England's manager did what you're actually supposed to do when you're going into the penalties, which is you're trying to get some fresh guys out there that you know have the ability to score penalties and put yourself in the best position possible with your lineup. And if I remember right, Rashford
1: himself hasn't missed a penalty in a while. so
0: It had been a while. (laughs) to, To put him
1: in that situation, I mean, it's just one of those... Dues aren't dues aren't one hundred percent from penalty, and, and that just goes to show you, man. I, I mean, I think that was a big that was a big deal at the beginning of Manchester United season. Was uh, Pogba was taking penalties, but he was missing. But whenever Rashford got up there to take those penalties, he, I mean, he was automatic. Like you can go ahead and chalk it up as a goal. You know what I'm saying? So for him to miss that. Miss that penalty, or be one of the ones to miss the penalty. I mean, it's just dudes aren't one hundred percent. It happens.
0: Yeah. Um. So, to put it in context for everybody, over the course of his entire British Premier League career, between like the UEFA Youth League, Champions League, Premier League, and uh, EFL yeah. Cup, right? The man Marcus Rafford, he is fifteen goals scored two missed. So that's the type of score that we're talking about as far as when it comes to penalties. And he, and he was one of the guys that ended up missing. So penalties is such a it, it is such a weird thing. I mean, Mace and on a small sample, right? Me and you, we play Pro Cubs in FIFA. We've seen how many times where guys that we know, certified goal scorers, you put them in front of that ball in a big moment, and they just Piss it away. So it, it's just for me, it's again, it's one of those moments that I again look back and I say, well, it's very unfortunate for the way they ended up shaking out for England, but hopefully, hopefully, it won't end up being a moment that then, you know, crushes a lot of these young guys because that's. The- with moments like this and young guys, is that hey, yes, they they they'll be walking into it not necessarily um, knowing the pressure that they're that that it really exists on them, right? But sometimes when those moments go south, they can't recover from that because it's such a mental hurdle from them moving forward. So hopefully, that's not something that happens with this England team it would be nice to see them finally win one, right? Instead of being the historic losers that they've been all of this time.
1: Yeah. I, I think, man, um, when you look at their team, I think they have a lot of young attackers that will keep England. will keep them. Um, We're well, not just attackers. Like they have a lot of young talent
0: overall. I mean,
1: it's, you don't think, you don't think of youth when you think of England's international team. You know what I'm saying? You don't think that their best four or five players are all under 25. I mean, from what Harry Maguire their their center back or whatnot, between him and their attack is between Marcus Rashford, um What's the other young guy's name? <clears throat> One of the other, not Jaden Sancho, the other guy that missed a penalty too, that, that, Got oh this my whole goodness! Thing going because all only the black players had missed their penalties and stuff, you know. Um,
0: um, give me a second, because I I don't want to butcher his name. So give me give me one second. I got you. I'll pull it for you. Give me one second.
1: Yeah, that guy, that guy, man. I mean, he'll Jerome will get his name here in a second, man. But um, he's just a, he's he's yeah. I think he's he's the youngest of the bunch. He might be twenty twenty one. But England has—I I think they'll be good for a while, or they'll be challenging for championships, or they'll be one of those best odds to wins teams.
0: And that was uh, at least Bukayo the next two tournaments. That was Bukayo Saka. That's yeah, yeah, why. Saka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's 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 on the
1: come up. Like <laughs> going. I think he between him, Rashford. You know, Harry Kane is still Harry Kane. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's outside of the month of August, he's a really good player.
0: England is in a in a position where they still can compete because they have enough young players in the right positions on the field. So, I mean, even guys like uh, what is Kyle Walker? He's what? Like Kyle 20- Walker. He, I mean, he's under 28. I don't oh, know. No, Kyle Walker's thirty-one now, man. It's oh he's, the, oh, he's oh, he's he's old guy on the yeah. So uh, even at that now, look at that, Kyle Walker's the old man on the team at this point. So I mean, look
1: at the guys they got ready right behind him, ready to go. You got Reese James. You have um on the other side. You have Chilwell, You have uh, Kieran Trippier.
0: So I mean, yeah. You're bound to get at least one more World Cup out of majority of the players that you have that were your core for this. I mean, even guys like John Stones, who is on, you know, he's 27. That'll probably the next World Cup will probably be his last one, right? But you'll at least be able to still get one more World Cup and probably a quality performance at the World Cup out of him. Not everybody can be um, what's his name, Chiellini. That guy. Yeah, you a,
1: can't. Chiellini and Bonucci; those dudes drinking from the fountain of youth still, bro. I,
0: I cannot believe how great. You want to talk about the MVP of that game? It was Chiellini. Chiellini saved them so many times when that defense was completely exposed. And I, I know our guy Giuseppe. I'm sure he he. I'm sure he has a love hate relationship with Chiellini, right? Because think about it, Giuseppe's a longtime A.C. Milan guy. He's a lifer there. But he also supports the Italian national team. So it's got to just it. It – I'm sure it makes him happy that the team won, but I'm sure there's a part of it that wishes they could have done it without Kia Lady playing such a key role. <laughs> oh,
1: definitely. And, yeah, we'll I'll take this time to talk about the winners, man. I mean, Italy just played –
0: they they played a new style. Like, think they're, they're normally thinking of three at the back. From what I from from what I think of three at the back, and trying to push forward all the time. That that's the Italy that I remember for the, for the majority of my life. For those that haven't really watched a lot of international football, to typically. Italy is not. Um, I don't want to call. So, them
1: yeah, defensive. man. I mean, the, it was. It was a problem Don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand that Italy does have some ballers on that team, but like, if were to, if I were to list my, give my list, or anybody else was to give their list, who are their tournament? Who do they think besides who they want to win? Like, who is their tournament hopefuls? Like, who are the guys that are teams? That you think can really win this team. I'm pretty sure everybody was listing Italy maybe, maybe as their fifth team that could possibly win. But I mean, it was one of those where they just played well for the entire tournament. Like there was no there was no like Italy came out of nowhere. They started out good and just kept it going for the tournament. And and I mean, um, for me, the the person outside of Chiellini that stood out for me was uh, Jorginho. I mean, he really had that that midfield. I mean, you rarely see the you rarely see the guys who are the um, the offensive catalyst. But then they'd not also be a defensive liability, and I think Jorginho has transformed himself. He's not athletic. Don't don't let me sit here and 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 make y'all think that I think that this guy can just cover the entire field, a um, Conte or something. But he's in the right spot on defense. To make sure that that offense is going to be ready to roll as soon as they turn the b- other other team turns the ball over and, and to me that was the performance for Italy that just put them over the top.
0: Yeah, you know, I I was at the end of the day, and, Italy um, was very Italy was impressive with their performance. They were able Dona to Roma,
1: their uh, their goalkeeper man he. To be only twenty-two, man, and and to play that well—that's
0: well. We were for, talking for the, about for him. the
1: 4 hours soccer fans, for, for our football fans here. I mean, Roma—he's twenty-two, but I believe he started at AC Milan since he was, I think, maybe seventeen or eighteen. So I mean, this guy has, um, like more top-flight experience than, than a lot of, a lot of like, 30-year-old goalkeepers. A lot of – I mean, been hearing about this guy for years now, and he's only 22, man. I mean, that just speaks to, I guess, Italy's ability to put out talent, man. I mean, you got a 22-year-old guy here who – to the top in clean sheets for the tournament, man. I mean, he really – anchored that defense along with Chiellini and Benucci, man. I mean, they, they – Italy was just a solid team in this tournament, and it it really – for me, they came out of nowhere, and they just really took the tournament over, man. I mean, I have much more to say about that team, man. I mean, it was a complete surprise to me. Like I said, my pick was Portugal. Like I said, I never counted out France, but I just – Italy did not seem like the team that was going to win that tournament to me.
0: So to put it in perspective, for those that don't understand what Mace is talking about, Donnarama ended up being the second youngest goalkeeper to ever debut in Serie A. He was only 16 when he broke in and was immediately their starter. And has been one of the most promising young players in the world. Who's going to end up benefiting from this? I know some people are probably getting, you know, wondering in their minds that are football fans who's benefiting. Well, it's obviously, it's Perry Saint-Germain. He ended up going to them on a free transfer. And so now Perry Saint-Germain has now went from having, you know, a guy that was one of the world best for years, Hugo, Hugo Lloris, to now they've got Donnarama. So Mace, again, PSG picking up one of the world's best players, not surprising, right? But, yeah, that guy is Utterly impressive. You are you are 100 right. Um, he did deserve the player of the tournament for sure. He was masterful in the goal for them. So absolutely. But thinking thinking about some of these um, tournaments that were going on, these international tournaments, Mace. I have one question for you. Do you think now that Messi's finally won something with Argentina? Right. Do you think we've seen the last of the winning? out of the generation of Ronaldo and Messi? Do you think we've seen it all now? They're not going to have any more I do believe so, international- man. I mean,
1: at this point, it's going to be about the team around them. Like, if they make another... As, as good as the shape that those guys stay in and as good as they still are, you do expect them to be at the World Cup.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I think it's going to be more about the rest of the guys around them because what ronaldo he's what 35 36 now and messi ronaldo is 34 36, yes, sir. so yeah these, these guys you don't want to put it <clears throat> you don't. excuse me you don't want to put it on their shoulders to carry the team anymore it has to be for specifically for portugal it has to be a, a bernardo silva it has to be a Bruno Fernandez, an Andre Silva. It has to be Ruben Diaz. Like, it, it those guys have to put Ronaldo in a position to, okay, the last 15, 20 minutes, this is my time. Let me go ahead and get us a goal because you guys have kept us in it this long. Mm-hmm. And, and for Argentina, I mean, I mean, Paulo Dybala, he's basically fell and falling off the side of the cliff, man. I mean, he was, he was touted as Argentina's savior because Di Maria and Aguero weren't getting it done for Messi. I mean, people thought – you know what I'm saying? People thought Paulo Dybala was going to be his robin, basically, or, or his guy to put Messi in a position to where he only has to give you 20 minutes of magic. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't have to all game give it to you
0: well so i'm um, so okay all right so both teams both teams are already qualified for the world cup next year so let me ask you this do you see either team making a potential deep run in the world cup next year
1: i do see it cuz i'm like i said messi and ronaldo you can't count those two guys out for for a tournament for a Two week span. Under under the right circumstances, who can really stop those guys when they're when they're fresh, fairly healthy? You can't. I mean, these these guys play football all year round, so I mean, who's really healthy? You know what I'm saying.
0: But so, but let me ask you: this. Doesn't it concern you that the tournament is going to be taking place? from November 21st to December 18th, instead of its normal time of the summer. Now in the middle of the season, instead of even allowing these guys to have a couple weeks off before they go and play World Cup football.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy how Qatar even, I mean, I don't want to get into football politics here, but man, the way that Qatar even won this World Cup bid, man, I mean, to have a place with that type of climate (laughs) <laughs> Win the World Cup bid, knowing what it means for the football seasons for all across all leagues. You have to take this thing from a summer event where a guy had okay, their season's over with; they have a few weeks to get ready. To now, it's it's okay. November, shut it down because we got international and and because you. I mean, you, obviously, you can't play that much football in in the summer months in in qatar i mean you're in the middle east you're in the middle of the desert like it's it's for
0: those that don't understand you can't do that in qatar even in the time that they're going to be playing the tournament in november december it's still going to be basically like 84 every day as a high um in november and like towards the end of november it's still in there like the highs are still in the 90s so It's still not going to actually be like the best weather because it's still, you're in desert weather. It's, you know, it's awful, (laughs) awful, awful weather. So, yeah, um, I I
1: think, I think this World Cup, man, I mean, I don't think you can consider, I I think, I think the weather will play a huge factor and the time that they're playing will be a huge factor Mm -hmm. because. We, I mean, as, as football fans, these guys play basically they start, usually the, the, the quality of the games don't really pick up until you get to those winter months. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. these, these dudes aren't, aren't meant to be out there running for an hour and a half and for, potentially longer every game in 80, 90-degree weather. Like, that's not what you want in a football match. I mean, obviously, they're going to give the guys the water breaks and all that, but it's it, – I, I think this is going to be one of the the flukiest – it's going to be one of those where a team, you're really – it's really going to come down to who – which team can, can manage the heat the best.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, And you just, and it's going to come down to a lot of luck of seeing who, what players don't end up catching those early season, you know, injuries that may end up keeping them out because like we said, it's going to be in the middle of the normal professional club football season. And that's going to be a rough goal for everybody, but. That's always next year. But we do have something real spicy going on right now, and that's currently an NBA Finals that is tied at 2-2 currently. Now, Mace, the series started off kind of a rough go over for the, the Bucks. one could easily say right. I mean, we, between Game 1 and Game 2, we were looking at where Giannis was basically out here putting, his, putting the team on his back, and we were watching the team let him down. I mean, I know specifically we can talk about Game 2 when Drew Holiday, at the end of the, the first quarter, was i believe that was game two he was three for 11 yeah you know, but it, game
1: two game two was the game where um drew Holiday and chris middleton were just had off games man
0: they were awful in that game okay they they, they were both very very awful but regardless it's the um the bucks have managed to rally now and get the series tired Giannis has continued to perform at an extremely extremely high level i mean outside of game four every game this series Giannis has out of control i mean it, what game game one he had 20 and 17 and then two and three he had over 40 points you yeah know, i think so... he was
1: like 40 and 15 for both of those <laughs> games like
0: yeah so Giannis is you know he's really done what he has needed to do now that the series is tied at 2-2 obviously the suns hold the home court advantage right so the go seven we're gonna end up getting two games in phoenix Knowing all of this and seeing how the series has played out so far and the fact that it seems like Milwaukee has gained a little bit of confidence here, especially with Middleton. Middleton really seems to have seen, seemed to have gained a lot of confidence and knowing that he can still go out there and score the ball on this team. Who do you think is closing this series out as the NBA champion, Mason?
1: This was tough, man, because I mean, this is one of those. I don't think anybody can sit here and say they have or they know or they have a good feeling about either team just being completely better than the other. I mean, this is probably one of the best finals that we could have asked for this year. I mean. Both teams seem. Fairly matched, I mean. I personally thought that Milwaukee matches up better versus uh, Phoenix like after after Phoenix had already booked their ticket in the finals, you know what I'm saying? It was still Milwaukee Atlanta. I thought to myself that Milwaukee is going to match up considerably better against Phoenix because. Phoenix's strength their strength is off of Chris Paul and, and and Devin Booker, you know what I'm saying? So Milwaukee has three three guys that they can throw at those two, rotate on them between um Middleton, Drew Holiday and um yeah, his mind's he's slipping my mind. Um PJ Tucker, yeah. Between those three guys, they can throw a fresh body at those two the entire game. So it really comes down to the consistency of Middleton for me, man. I mean, if he's – he doesn't have – I mean, he gave us the 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 Middleton game. Like, you know, every few games, Middleton just goes off when he gets you 30, 40 points. So he gave them that when they needed it, but he's going to have to be considerably consistent over these three games. Because, I mean, Giannis, he's going to – Phoenix can't stop Giannis. There's DeAndre Aiden, he's but he can't he can't keep up with him, not yet. And um
0: horrible matchup for him.
1: Yeah, he can't keep up with that man. I mean, he's he's bigger, stronger, and faster than DeAndre Aiden. There's really not much else you can you <laughs> can do about that.
0: Nope. And then you know, DeAndre Aiden's in a bad position, right? Because they're asking him to do a lot against Giannis. And then Brooke Lopez comes in there and pulls him out away from the basket. And it's like, good God almighty, what is this guy supposed to do?
1: I still, I, man, I I want Chris Paul to get him a championship because, you know, his time is is limited. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I've thought highly of Chris Paul for a while. And I mean, there's just certain guys you want to see win a title before their time's up, man, because not, not a lot of guys get that opportunity, man. I mean, and being 36, Phoenix is a good team, but there's a lot of good teams. There's going to be a lot of healthier teams next year. There's going to be better teams next year. So this, to me, feels like Chris Paul's got to get it done if he's going to win because I, I Phoenix will probably be fairly good as long as he's there, but – other teams are going to get better. So, I mean, I don't just hes – they're not clear cuts over the next two years as long as he's there to be back in the NBA Finals. So, I mean, from that fan standpoint, from that feel-good story standpoint, I want to see Chris Paul win a championship. But if I look at this as as just a basketball game, sit back and just enjoy the games, Milwaukee seems like they can outlast them.
0: So I picked Milwaukee to come out of the East originally. I thought it was going to be them in LA, right? I thought eventually LA would, you know, get healthy and get their stuff together. Obviously, I was clearly wrong on the on that part of it. But what I'm not going to do is that I'm not going to stop supporting um you know, I'm not going to stop supporting Milwaukee. I think that they when when they won game three, I believe that was the moment for me that made me have faith that hey, okay, they can win this series now because they could have easily gotten down on themselves, been kicking, you know, kicking their heads in and and just being entirely, entirely down from what happened in those first two games. But yet they rallied, they got it together, and now they are in a tied series where they could go on to be NBA champions easily, right? So I think Milwaukee is going to get it done. I'm just like you. I'd like Chris Paul to get himself a championship, but I just don't know if it's going to happen, especially the fact that his performance has seemed to trail off in these last two games too, which is a very worrying fact. And if he cannot step his game back up to the level that he was playing at towards the end of um, the series last round, then they're not going to win. They have no chance of winning without him playing at a high level. Team. Oh, they definitely,
1: look. man. I mean, you can pretty much chalk Booker up for thirty every game, but that's not mm-hmm. what's going to get them over the top, man. Chris Paul has to. He has to be the Chris Paul that sent the Clippers home. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he he's got to be that guy. And anything short of being that then I think Milwaukee probably sweeps these next two games and wins in six. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. Milwaukee's confidence is through the roof right now. I mean, you, you played close games in games one and two and lost. And then your two best players just said, said, no, you're not gonna, this isn't how this series is gonna, gonna go. And Giannis gave you another masterful performance. And then, Chris Middleton backdoored with one of his own, so Milwaukee's two best players are at this point feeling unstoppable, so it's up to Chris Paul to write the ship for Phoenix, or like I said, Milwaukee in six.
0: It's it's really, really, really hard for me to um, disagree with you on that. I think that is something that Honestly, I don't see Chris Paul being able to get back to the level that they need him to. I think there may be – it's either he's got an injury that we don't necessarily know about or there's some lingering effects from COVID that are getting to him now that we just necessarily don't know. I think it's one of the two. I cannot say either is for sure, but that's just my opinion on it, right? I think it's one of the two is affecting him. Now I don't see him being able to recover in time for – recover his – his level of play to the point that they needed to in order for them to win. So I'm going to have to agree with you, and I'm going to think Milwaukee probably wins these next two games and they go home as NBA champions.
1: Yeah, <sighs> man, I, I really feel like this is this is Milwaukee's series to lose. Man, oh, I mean, Chris Paul. It's, it's kind of crazy to say that considering they lost game one and two, but I mean – Game three and four gave us more of an insight to how well Milwaukee can play as opposed to how bad Phoenix could potentially be. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it was a, maybe a, a finals jitters for those guys. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: Giannis just, he pretty much drugged them along until they start believing that they could not only compete with Phoenix, but beat Phoenix, you know? So this one, like I said, it comes down, it, it, it seriously comes down to Chris Paul's performance over these next three games. For me, like I said, I, as a fan, I want to see him win one, but mm. I just don't know, man. It's, it's, it's refreshing to watch a final and, and not have a dog in the fight and you can just sit back and <laughs> and really enjoy games and, and, pick based off of what you're seeing instead of what you hope happens.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, thinking of, you know, what we hope happens here, we're right around the corner from NFL season. And with that in mind, we're going to start our NFL conferences and division previews. And we're starting off this year with the NFC and we are going to start off in the home division from Macy's Boas, the NFC East. So, mates, after a rough season last year for the Cowboys, a lot due to injury, especially to Dak Prescott, the Cowboys now are the betting money line favorite. um, Via DraftKings Sportsbook, they are a plus 125 favorite right now to win the division. And that is pretty wild, considering of how rough of a season it was last year and the fact that their defense really didn't get fixed. So, Mace, we'll start our preview here with the Cowboys. How do you feel about the position that the team is in after where it ended last season, with a lot of injuries, defense looking piss poor, and not fully sure what the direction was going to be of the team moving forward? Where are you, where are you at now with the Cowboys?
1: Um, I'm. <clears throat> I want to try to to objectively look at this thing because, I mean, obviously I hope my team does well. I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and be a Debbie Downer or anything like that thinking, oh, there's going to be more of the same. Even, even with Dak out there, they were still losing 50 to 40 and stuff like that. But objectively speaking, man, I mean, I believe they have gotten better defensively but it's uh one of those things where I don't think that team defensively is gonna gel till halfway through the season. Cause I mean they have another new coordinator. They they have a lot of defensive pieces that new a lot of new guys, not a lot of guys, or a few guys coming back from injuries that are that they hope are still going to contribute. Mm-hmm. And it's uh I, I don't think it's gonna be one of those Dallas, Dallas is going to be the the surprise defense of the year. Like I don't, Demarcus Lawrence isn't going to give you 15 sacks again. <laughs> um, I don't. They don't. I don't. I don't see their cornerbacks being markedly better than they were last year. Like um, the best thing that they can hope for is that Micah Parsons is as advertised, and he's just going to be a complete dog in the front seven and and making plays left and right for him. I mean, that that's kind of like their best hope. That's the best case scenario is that Michael Parsons is really just that guy. Like, he's that good. But um, I do believe probably by midseason or something, they may round out to a maybe middle-of-the-pack defense, which is probably really all you need if your offense is really good. Mm-hmm. So um it's really their division to lose. Like we I mean the division's not very good, but it's Dallas's division to lose. I mean obviously that offense can give you 30, 35, give you 30. Let's just say 30. They can give you 30. But your fear is that they're gonna give up 40. <laughs> but to that point. Who has? I mean, whose offense in the NFC East are you afraid of?
0: Uh, nobody. Who's, I mean,
1: who is who's Washington starting quarterback? It's magic, baby. Oh, that's that. that, that hey, hey,
0: man,
1: it's magic. And then um, Philadelphia. I mean, I don't know what's going on over there, man. I mean you looked at Philadelphia as a team that whenever that they were just a, a, a wince injury free season away from, from taking over that division. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what they, that's what they were a few years ago to now it's like, what the heck is going on over there? There they traded, they gave them all this money, trade them away. They, um the team was getting old. They're not infusing a lot of young talent, especially on defense. I mean, how much longer can Fletcher Cox put that defense on his back? Like how much longer can that offensive line stay healthy, knowing that their best guys are close to the end of their career? Like it's a Philadelphia. It's just when, when everything goes right, I think they can be really good. They may, they may be the team that challenge, but it's a, it's a piss-poor division, and Dallas may be the best of the worst.
0: Well, thinking about that, well, how many games are the Cowboys going to win? With it being a 17-game season this year, how many games you got the Cowboys winning?
1: I've seen their schedule. uh man, it's uh... – Boy,
0: it sucks for you guys. We got to start off the season with two rough ones at Tampa and then at uh, the Chargers, boy, that's a rough go of it. Two great quarterbacks right away to start the year.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, our defense is really gonna—they're really gonna be on their heels at the beginning of the season, man. It's a—it's uh, gonna be rough, but I, I think they. Honestly, I think he. I think nine wins that division, but. I think Dallas will be around uh, around a ten win uh, ten win team, man. I mean,
0: so you think ten and seven? Injury, are you willing to say it? Ten and seven.
1: Ten and seven. I'm willing to say it right here.
0: Hmm. Fair enough. I'm inclined to agree with you. I think the rest of the teams in that division are not even close to being ready to be playoff teams. Look, Washington's defense is dogs, but as May said. We know the story of Fitzmagic. He goes from Fitzmagic to Fitz Tragic all day long. So we already know how that story is going to end up going.
1: I mean, it. I mean, but, he can do that over the course of of a, of a quarter, man. I mean, he yes, can, <laughs> he can give you two drives where you're like, okay, easy peasy, let's do it, and then after exactly. that, he'll give you two and a half quarters of just, oh my god, get him out of there, please.
0: So, so Washington, I think they'll probably float around. I don't know, maybe nine and eight. You know, I think they'll be Washington. Washington team. will be
1: a hard out for any yes, team. They're, like, they're, you're yes, you are not going to go out there and and have an easy time playing Washington because I no, mean,
0: because they got too many dogs on that line. Look, I mean, I mean that, that front seven is
1: that front seven scares me. I mean Dallas has had a good offensive line for a long time, but I'm nervous about Washington's front seven. I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, then you got Jonathan Allen and 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 those boys in the middle. I mean, there's really yeah, not much problem. you. They can create problems with four guys. There's not too many teams that can rush four and feel confident about their pass rush. And they're one. Of Washington is one of those
0: teams. They're they're one of the teams that they can send four guys at you and you don't have enough to block because you have to double team two of the guys. And once you're at that point, you don't have enough to block what's coming at you. It's over with. So I I see Washington still being a competitive team throughout the entire year. Right. Um, Just because of the defense, we saw how good that defense was last year when they had basically no offense. Right. We, we saw that we saw it all in front of our eyes. So I think they'll still be competitive. Now when it comes to the giants and the Eagles, I think they're both going to be pretty bad this year. The Giants, I don't believe in any of their skill position guys. I don't. I I, I don't be outside of Sa- Saquon Barkley, I don't believe in anyone that they have. I don't think Daniel Jones is as bad as what he may have looked at times over these first two seasons, right? I don't I was somebody who I was very low on him and he's actually shown me that he can be a fairly um, at least serviceable to good quarterback for you. Right. But I don't think they have the other things needed in place, like an offensive line or such an advantage at the skill positions that they're going to be able to succeed on offense. So I see them going through another struggle year. I think their defense should take a step forward, but I don't know what has to wait. I think for them, it's going
1: to be a situation where their defense is on the field so much (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that it, it, it won't really matter. Like like they their defense has gotten better. They like say they're probably they, they probably have the second best defense in that division out, mm-hmm. um behind Washington. But
0: oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I do. I, I think that that team's defense is going to be on the field so much. Like it's going to take one of those performances that we saw from from Dallas whenever it was um DeMarco Murray. Or, or um that or Zeke's first two years
0: oh, where oh you goodness. just
1: have to be so much better at running the ball
0: mm-hmm.
1: to keep your defense off the field. like you have to chew up so much time, so much clock to keep your defense off the field to give them a chance. but so to put it in I think perspective their defense for everyone, is just gonna wear down, man, they're gonna be on the field so much.
0: So to put it in perspective for everyone, um, Washington's defense gave up a total of three hundred and twenty nine points last year. The Giants defense gave up 357, but here's where the the big difference is right here for why me and Mace especially do not believe in this team, and it's that offense. Last year, there was only one team in the NFC East that scored under 300 points over the course of the season, and that was the New York Giants. And weird thing about it is, yes, Saquon got hurt, but outside of that, they were pretty healthy on offense. They were They were healthy enough because, you know, everybody gets injuries over the course of the year, right? they were healthy enough and they still couldn't even get to over 300 points. So I don't think that that um, New York team is going to be able to step up and be a a real threat in the division. And Philadelphia, look, man, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. I hope he can have success there. But first off, I have no confidence in what your roster constitution was last year. And it's pretty much the same roster as last year because a lot of guys are on big contracts and they can't really make a lot of moves. And then on top of that, your head coach is not someone that instills confidence in me. Um, he he feels more like a comfort pick than he does feel like a pick that you guys are saying this guy will get us going in the right direction. I think it's going to be a real – another rough season for Philly. I think they'll be lucky if they scrape out six wins this year, if you want me to be honest. And, and it has nothing to do with how I think – uh, they got rugs, right? Was it them that got rugs, or did they get Waddle?
1: Um, I can't I can't, I can't even think about I, I think that they I can't
0: got, think I, right now. I think they got. What did they get? Did they get rugs? I don't know what is. But regardless, because I think both of those guys are actually going to be good this year. We'll talk about. Oh they no! They Waddell. picked up. Um, they got uh, and oh, they What's drafted uh, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. There we go. That's who it was. Aha. I couldn't remember his name. Goodness gracious, I'm sorry, Devontae Smith. But yes, so I think he's going to be good, just like I think Waddle's going to be good, right? I but think man, Jalen. I, mean, I, I think Jalen Hurts can develop a little bit more, but they are a dumpster fire right now, and those guys are not good enough to put that dumpster fire out. I'm sorry, they just aren't. So like I think I said, Philly to talk will about probably finish this the worst. Man, team. I
1: mean. Philadelphia is one of those teams that can't rebuild because nobody wants their players who are on big contracts. I mean, they got lucky by being able to get rid of Wentz. You know what I'm saying?
0: And that was one of those, hey, we'll give you something to take this dude, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a – they're in a bad spot, and they're going to be in that bad spot to those bad contracts retire. So.
0: So for those that currently – for those that don't understand me and Mace know a little bit more about their cap situation because of just us playing Madden in the franchise mode, you have to start understanding a lot of how this salary cap works and what certain contracts are and who's actually in a good position. Currently, as it stands right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are $26 over the cap. So they are still in a position right now to where they're going to have to figure out to get rid of some guys – and the problem is, though, is that they have got guys like they they they're high money guys to get rid of, like uh, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, Derek Barnett, um, Brandon Graham, uh, Brandon Brooks. The cheapest, you know, that you would end up getting there, out of as far as just dead money, is you would still end up with seven million dollars in dead money with Zach Ertz. I mean, if you get rid of Fletcher Cox, you're ending up with 22 million in dead money. Lane Johnson, 46. Derek Barnett, 10. Brandon Graham, 34. Brandon Brooks, 22. You know, Slade, 22. Hargrave, 22. So they're in a hell. Jason Kelsey, who we both know is a declining player, right? 19 in dead money if they get rid of him, Mace. So, yeah, at so this they're, point, they're in the a Eagles terrible in trouble, position man. to make that team better. Mm hmm. I don't know how. Um, I don't know how exactly they're gonna be able to make some moves to get better, besides just basically being in the tank this year because they did. You can't sign anyone, right? You can't and really you can't trade anybody because any nobody guys.
1: wants what you got.
0: Yeah, no, I mean nobody's gonna pick up. Not at the numbers that the players that they have are at. There, there's not a chance in hell. Maybe two years ago if you would have been willing to make the move on some of these guys, you know what I mean? And, and realize that, Hey, maybe we need to start this rebuild sooner than later. Yeah. Two years ago, Fletcher Cox was 28. Two years ago, Lane Johnson was 29. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Teams would yep. be more apt to make a move, but I mean, you're, you're in a position right now to where you're stuck paying Lane Johnson until he is, you're basically screwed with him until 2025, you know, he's got
1: a ridiculous contract, man. I mean, uh, I don't know how he came across that
0: now Fletcher Cox, they may be able to theoretically get a team to take him and get some value. If they're willing to eat dead money, because his contract can technically come off the books after the 2022 season. So, they may be able to do that, but even at that, man, if you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, huh, well, excuse me, his contract's not up. It's just none of it is guaranteed after the 2022 season. It's all like bonus and stuff like that. It's all basically where his In- dead cap. Incentive and bonus-based. Yeah, where, where his dead cap hit, Mace, for those that don't understand, dead cap is essentially when you cut a player or like you trade them When on this contract, there may be a certain amount of money that counts against your cap even though the player is still not on your team, so that's called dead cat money. So Mace, in, in 20, 20, 20, uh, 2023 and 2024, his numbers would be respectively 6.4 and 1.4 in dead money. So you see what I mean? They could cut him that 2022 20, and not care, but you would rather want to just get rid of him and hoping somebody will give you some value instead of you having to wait until after 2022, make the decision on whether you want to even keep him around or not, and then if you don't, just cutting him and having to eat the dead money anyway.
1: So you let let me go ahead real quick and i switch to, to cowboy fan mode here, because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to end this segment without feeling good about my team, man. I mean...
0: Well, we both agree deck. your team's in a – we both agree your team is in a position to win the division. The question that I think we both have, because I don't disagree with you with anything that you said on your team, is just very, very simple. What is that defense going to be this year? Like,
1: I'm, I think – it's weird. Like, I understand picking Micah Parsons at, at – um 11 I think this when they they moved back to 11 or something like that mm-hmm. I understand that pick because we both have the same mindset of especially first round just go best available and figure it out man I mean I hate when people pick for need in the in especially top 15 picks man just go best available mm-hmm. and figure it out like this dude is good enough to fit somewhere on your team make it work.
0: Like I would but, say over um, and over, a bunch of teams went need over best player available, and that's how the Rams have Aaron Donald.
1: Exactly. I mean, you look you look at Denver's pick here. Like I don't, don't want to go off top, like off off of NFC East, but I mean they picked Patrick Sertan after they already had a pretty good secondary, and they just say, you know what, Heath to us, he's the best player. Let's get him. We'll figure it out. I mean, you can't have enough guys that can cover. so but
0: would, would it be fair to say that it, it almost feels like the Broncos are trying to build their defense back to front instead of front to back?
1: Yeah, definitely because I
0: mean but how do you okay so compare that to the Cowboys where so we know where the strong point is right more than likely on a team like the Broncos, right because it's pretty clear Vion's gotten older. he's we don't know what he's going to be off the injury. You know we, don't know, we don't really have all that much faith in Chubb. We both like the guy a lot coming out of college. We've liked him as a player, but we don't know fully what he's going to be, right? So we know that their strength is in their secondary. But with, with the Cowboys, where is the strength in their defense, Mace? Because I've look, I'm looking at all three levels and I do not know where there is a strength. I don't see strength there because I have questions about if Van Der Esch can stay healthy at all. Okay, I have questions about if Jalen Smith can stay healthy, too. So wh- where do you feel like their strength is?
1: There is no strength other than hoping hoping Dan <laughs> Quinn has the right scheme to take advantage of what his guys can do well. Because So what
0: you're telling me is hope – is there strength?
1: <laughs> that that listen, bro. Like like I said, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and and be a delusional Cowboys fan. Like mm-hmm. I understand what my team is, and I can tell you right now, if Van der is healthy, he can run sideline to sideline for you. Yes. If Jalen Smith is healthy, he at the point at the point of attack, he can make a lot of things happen. Like he's he's a downhill
0: big hitter and he's basically the for, inverse of uh Patrick Queen cuz Patrick Queen is all coverage yeah exactly and he's he, like he's basically yeah getting, he's basically that that
1: <laughs> first and second down let me just deter you from running the ball so much on first and second down here like let me mm-hmm. let me make you think about Okay, I have to pass all three downs. Like that's what you—that's what you hope Jalen Smith is going to do for you. And you know me, man. I have—I have been thoroughly disappointed in Demarcus Lawrence in the passing game since he got paid. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say he's bad because he doesn't have these sack numbers. Because if you look at what this guy can do in the run game, you look at his um pass rush win numbers like his double team win numbers and things like that he's really good but he just doesn't get sacks because there's nobody else on that defensive line that the teams are scared of so it's like okay let's just go ahead and double team DeMarcus Lawrence give him a hard time make him take longer to get to our quarterback and we'll be just fine
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so it's going to be one of those deals where I hate to say it but if Randy Gregory doesn't get doesn't have it together this year, it's just gonna be a whole bunch of the same for, for Dallas. Cause I mean, what Keanu Neal is coming off of a injury, DeMonte Casey coming off of an injury. Um, your best corner is a second year guy and Trayvon Diggs, and and it's just
0: it's gonna so, be rough. If so we here's can. what Here's what Mace is saying. Okay, so the top 10 and highest pass rush win rate as a edge defender last season, okay, you had Watt at 29, T.J. Watt at uh, 29%, Jerry Hughes 29, and then it goes Garrett, Burns, Bosa, Houston, Chase Young, J.J. Watt, Harold Landry, and then Demarcus Lawrence. Then when you talk about um, the highest run stock rate as the uh, outside defender, right, as the edge defender, You've got Sam Helbert, who was sneaky, sneaky good last year in the run for them, like absurdly good. If he can get any pass rush, that dude's going to be amazing. Um, So Sam Hubbard, Brandon Graham, Eric Armstead, then number four, Demarcus Lawrence. So Demarcus Lawrence isn't a very effective player out there, but what Mace is saying is, is that, yes, he's doing things right, but he needs him to get to the quarterback. He can't just have him win and not finish the play. He needs the win plus the finish. He needs the hit on the quarterback. That's uh, either a hurry throw, potentially an interception, or he needs the sack. That's what Mace is saying. I mean, it's it's
1: he's out there by himself, and he's tiring mm-hmm. himself out to the point to where there was a lot of times last year on third and and possibly fourth downs he wasn't even on the field because I mean he's been working (laughs) so hard to do all these things well because nobody else on the team is is efficient enough to make a team think that okay we got to slide the protection the other way and just hope our guy can hold up. There is none of that on Dallas. There it is DeMarcus Lawrence, has to be the best run stopper. He has to win a double team and he has to be a double digit sack guy for that defense to be a competent defense to be. Would it
0: be would it be fair to say that more so than you need DeMarcus Lawrence to step up, you need Randy Gregory to step up and be another viable option. Because like you're saying, DeMarcus Lawrence is facing all of this protection being shifted to him, right? So you need somebody else that's gonna win. So you need someone like a Randy Gregory to step up and perform at his second round, you know, draft selections.
1: I mean, he was he, he
0: should be a great player. He four sacks is not enough on a year for Randy Gregory. I'm sorry. That's that's ridiculous. You should have more than that when you're not the guy facing the double teams.
1: Yeah so so let me go ahead and clear that up like I, what I was getting at was DeMarcus Lawrence this is what he has to do currently to be to to I guess to get his recognition like he's got to be able to finish that play but he obviously needs a Randy Gregory to step up he needs a, a Neville Gallimore to push the pocket in the middle he needs a he needs these guys to be effective for him to get his stats, I guess, because nobody mm-hmm. looks at run game win percentage. Nobody looks at pass rush win percentage. They just look at how many sacks you're getting, how many QB hurries you're getting, mm-hmm. how many QB hits you're getting. That's that's what she they what a lot of people judge a a defensive lineman on. But if, if he's not getting any help from these other guys, he's going to have the empty stats. He's going to have the high win rate with no finish with nothing to show for it. Like he's going to have the, mm-hmm. so it's, those guys have to step up. But as, as that defense currently is as, as they are from what I've seen from last year, the year before, and all that where Demarcus Lawrence num, numbers have, have fallen. He's gotta it's it's he needs help. Simple as that. For that team, for that team's defense to perform well, Demarcus Lawrence needs help. Because we've seen it all. If you can get a pass rush, you don't need you don't need a Darrell Revis out at your cornerback, man. You don't need a Jalen Ramsey out there if you can get a, a decent pass rush. You just gotta have guys that know what their assignment is and to do it every play.
0: Well, and and look. In, in football there's two ways of playing defense you can do what the patriots have been doing recently with uh especially since they've gotten gilmore which is saying we're going to overload you back uh, back in the front right so we're not going to have the most elite pass rushers but what we are going to have is a bunch of guys we're going to have one guy for sure that we can literally take and just blanket him on one of your wide receivers take him completely out the game and then we're going to make a bet the rest of our guys can handle whatever else that you put out there. So that's building back in, back to front, or you could build front to back like the Washington has done, which is that you have young, uh, um, sweat. What, what's the dude on the inside name? What's what's his name? They have uh,
1: Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. we thank you, um, Jonathan Allen
0: and Payne. You got those Ionitis. two guys in them. Yeah, yeah, and, and, okay. and Ionitis, all that come in the middle and give you pass rush, but. When you look at their secondary, you probably can't really name a player in their secondary, right? They have Fuller so and a bunch of guys. <laughs> and he's not even the good Fuller. The good Fuller yeah. plays in Denver now. so, <laughs> so They but... got Fuller and a bunch of guys, basically. And, <laughs> and they have
1: really good defense because of their front sevens or their front four, basically, their ability to create havoc on any Oh game no, game. it
0: is their it is their front four cuz yeah they they were rushing four quite a lot last year. Now, knowing all of this, right? Knowing everything that we've said, where defensively do you feel like the Cowboys finish on the year ranking-wise?
1: Ranking-wise, I think if they can be somewhere between that 15 to 17, 15 to 18 range, I think that they you can consider that a success because there's nothing that makes you believe that their offense is going to be worse or or not even be able to maintain what they had in those first few games before Dak's injury. Like, there's nothing that sit there and makes you think that, okay, Dallas's offense is going to be a little worse off, so their defense has to be better
0: off. Let me ask you this, though, to close this out. Your team historically has pissed you off when it comes to primetime games. You guys got five of them this year. Does that worry you?
1: It does because they need to earn those, man. I mean,
0: because Dallas let, gets let me run them down those to
1: you. off of off of the strength of their brand. Like
0: so, regardless so, of what you say, man,
1: Dallas has a lot of fans.
0: So 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 theoretically looking at it, you guys really should win out of the five right because here are your primetime games you got week one against tampa you got week three against the eagles then you've got week eight against minnesota which is sunday night football then you have week 13 against new orleans and then week 16 against washington you see what i'm saying so theoretically when you look at it Dallas should go four and one through those games but yeah we know definitely. how they are historically in these primetime games so that worries you a little bit, huh? It does, man, because, I mean, what has Dallas really
1: done to earn these primetime games besides their marketability?
0: Have a billion fans that are like all I said, that, that's it. Man. on I their mean, brand?
1: They, the, the, the brand is good. <laughs> the brand is good. They can market themselves well. They, they have a lot of fans nationwide. But you look at the product on the field and <coughs> as a Cowboys fans that wants my team to be consistently good, they don't deserve those primetime games. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just as simple as that, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I need two winning seasons back to back. I need, I need playoff. I need a playoff run. I need a, I need something, man. I, I don't need these feel good draft picks with a lot of hope behind them. I don't need that. <laughs> I need to be picking at I need to be picking 25, 22, you know what I'm saying, consistently like I fuck it, we don't even need a we don't even need a, a first round pick. Let's just trade it away and go get another another piece because it don't matter cuz I'm picking in the in the late later first round like it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's what I mm-hmm. want for my team. Like I don't want this I don't want the the Dallas hype train to take over again and again and again and again and again and again (laughs) again. I just want us to be consistently good.
0: Well, thinking about things that Mace wants, we always like to dive in deep, deep, deep into the mind of a crazy man like Mason, because you know what he brings? He brings you the madness. This is Mace's madness.
1: All right, man. So check this out. And I'm wanted I want our listeners to do something for me, man. We gotta stop this Kyle Kuzma hate.
0: <laughs> I'm not here for it. I'm really not <laughs> here for
1: it, man. Like I I I know what people want from him given his first two years. Cause I mean the first thing people look at when they say when they see a young guy is is their points per game going up? Is their field goal percentage going up? Those are the first first things that we want to see a guy get better at, right? So, I mean, it, it it happened for him. He did it, and then his role changes. What the team wants him to do changes, and you can. Mm-hmm you can visibly see he had a hard time with it i mean he goes from a team with a bunch of kids on it where he can just go out there jack up shots with whatever he can just go out there with the with the bravado of a lion and just go shoot and figure it out later you know what i'm saying mhm so he got better at that you know let's see from year 1 to year 2 his field goal percentage went up um, only from from 45 to 45.6, but his points per game went up. You know what I'm saying? Like he gave Mm -hmm. you a little bit more. So that made people hopeful that he would continue to give you a little bit more, Mm -hmm. not to mention that he was the guy that they kept. And what I mean by that is whenever LA traded the young players for Anthony Davis, Kuzma was the guy that, oh, we can't give up Kuz. We got to figure out a way to keep Kuz because he's going to be our guy. So I think that that right there, the whole we got to keep Kuz in this Anthony Davis trade, is what really put the the expectation on this man to have people scrutinizing everything he does. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just... Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say he doesn't need to be a more consistent player, but when you go from being <coughs> basically the only offensive option to now not only do you defer obviously you defer to LeBron, obviously you defer to Anthony Davis, you go from <coughs> you go from from being maybe the sixth man to, okay, they bring in Dennis Schroeder. Now you're option number four, maybe. Now you got Montrezl Harrell. He was just the sixth man of the year. So now you're down to option five on a team where you could pretty much just jack up shots and, and, and figure it out later at the end of the game. You know what I'm saying? So the the stats will say Kuzma's gotten worse because he went from – in the 2018-2019 season from a 18 points a game to to this previous season to being 12. So you look at that and you're like, okay, well, what has Kuz really done? I mean, he's, he's a better defender now, better rebounder. He hustles. I mean, everybody on your team can't give you – 15 to 20 points a game. Somebody's got to be out there diving on the floor. Somebody's got to play defense on a guy that they have no business playing defense on. Somebody's got to, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't have all these guys. You can't have a bunch of scorers on your team and have a balanced team. I mean, just let, let the guy be, man. I mean, I'm this Kuzma hate is just, it's ridiculous to me, man. I, I dislike it. I want him to be more consistent. But, how many guys' fifth option on their team can give you thirteen and six? He,
0: you're not wrong with the things that you're saying about Kuzma. I just think people become <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. people become very, very obsessed about points, and they don't understand the values and a lot of the other. St- other statistics that are in basketball that are very important. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think the the Kuz hate does need to stop because, look, it wasn't necessarily that the Lakers even just wanted to keep Kuzma. That was the guy that they had to keep because they wanted Ingram and they wanted Lonzo. Okay, so at the end of the day, it's not Kuzma's fault that he's getting less touches, so he's not looking as as effective out on the court. But there is – responsibility on his behalf too because he does have to become with the fact that you're getting less touches your efficiency then needs to go up and not go down and that's where i think the problem has came in for me when i viewed him is that over these last two seasons where he's getting more open shots and having more space to to work with on the floor his field goal percentage has gone down from his first few years so that may so that may I, be part of his. So
1: his his field goal percentage has has gone down. So his best statistically offensive season was year two. He was at forty five point six. Last year he was at forty four point three, but obviously his three point percentage goes back up to thirty six, which is still he needs to maybe get that up a little bit higher because you are getting a lot of open shots. But, man, I mean, like I said, you he, Kuzma went from option one to potentially option three to now five, maybe. So all of his touches are scrutinized because he doesn't get that many of them anymore. Mm-hmm. he people people look at him, and it's like, okay, you have to be. Wildly efficient now that LeBron and Anthony Davis are on your team. Like, you make mistakes and your mistakes are amplified. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, he definitely needs to be more consistent. It needs to be one of those maybe get your three point percentage up to 38% because you're going to be open. Maybe average a few more assists a game because. You you should be able to break down the defense as as somebody who's, who's going to be – people are going to be running at you in a scramble mode when you get the ball in the corner. So mm-hmm. he shouldn't have that much problem either making the play for himself or making the play for somebody else. So consistency, yes, go up. But this whole – Kyle Kuzma's trash. Why is he on the floor? All just Kuz hate. We got to stop it, man. We have to stop this. I'm not here for it. Not at all.
0: Well, you heard it there, ladies and gentlemen. Mace is telling y'all, leave his man's Kuz alone. With that said, though, ladies and gentlemen, we just want to thank you for coming back with us each and every week. As you do, we will be back next week to wrap up our coverage of the NBA Finals and again to touch on another division. And next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be going to my home division, the NFC North, where we've got quite a lot to talk about, and I'm sure Mesa's got quite a few things to speak on as far as the Aaron Rodgers situation goes with the Packers. Because guess what? As much as I hate Aaron Rodgers, Mace hates him too because he's tortured the Cowboys since he's been in a the Oh, man, the devil himself. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, next week we will be doing the NFC North and we'll be back to you again with another wide range of stories and also another resounding edition of Mace's Madness. But then again, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for sitting with us again. Mace, drop him your socials real quick.
1: All right, man. You can find me on Twitter at funky underscore stuff oh nine. You can find me on Instagram at Neandime Summer. And also on Twitch, give your boy a follow. Like I, I need them follows, man. Give him give your boy a follow at swaggy I mean twitch.com <laughs> slash
0: dot TV.
1: Uh, Twitch.tv slash Swaggy uh, There we go. Had to get that thing out.
0: You guys know mine. It's at J. Span the man everywhere. Just type it in. You'll see either my pretty face or you will see the logo for ITC. But again, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for sitting with us again this week and taking your time to sit down with us. Don't forget to please like, subscribe, share, and don't forget on Google Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts to please, please make sure you leave us a rating so we can know how much you love us here And we can know how much we suck on something so we can get better. But again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Me and Mace will see you again. This is ITC Sportsball.